We have been in a series called Upright, and this really started from reading the first few chapters of the book of Proverbs, specifically Proverbs chapter 2. So that's where we're going to start today. If you have a Bible, there's some black hardcover Bibles in the pews that you're sitting in. Um, you can pick those up or the words will be on the screen. Um, I wanted to read uh, a couple verses from Proverbs chapter 2, which was kind of the central verse for this series, but I wanted to read again the verses leading up to it. Um, we have talked about this, that God has a path for us to walk on, the path of the upright. Scripture refers to the path of the upright. And there are things that we do to keep us on this path. And God says, if you do these things, life is going to go better for you. Life is going to go well for you. It's not just out of um, obedience to God, and Christy did such a great job spe uh, speaking this message last week, and if you didn't hear it, you might want to listen online or, or find us uh, on a podcast. All our sermons are online. But God says, if you'll do these things, if you'll obey me in these things, it's not just that you're pleasing God, but it's going to go better for you in life, relationally, physically, spiritually. These are things that are going to help your life go better. It's the path of the upright. And God lays this path out before us. And so I wanted to read Proverbs chapter 2, 1 through 7. And what I want to highlight today, and it fits so well with our guests coming today, I want to highlight all the things that are in these verses that are calls for us to do, actions that we are to take, work that is on us to do in our faith. So I'm going to read Proverbs 2, 1 through 7. It says this, My son, if you will receive my sayings... And treasure my commandments in you, within you. Make your ear attentive to wisdom. Incline your heart to understanding. For if you cry for discernment, lift your voice for understanding. If you seek her as silver and search for her as hidden treasures, then you will discern the fear of the Lord and discover the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. And here's the main verse for our whole series. For he stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity. Notice again these if statements and also the action statements that Solomon is saying. Make your ear attentive. Incline your heart. Cry for discernment. Seek after God. Lift your voice for understanding. And I love it. Seek after her as silver or hidden treasures. Then you will discover knowledge and wisdom and life will be upright. We're going to come back to this chapter in, in a little bit, but Next chapter, Proverbs 3, just a couple of verses. Again, very similar language. Proverbs 3, verse 1. My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. So again, the theme is very consistent. Take the word of God and apply it. Work on your faith. Seek after God. And then in verse 5, it says these words, and these are words that we know well if you've been around church. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. And here's what I want to talk about today, these two things. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Other translations of that same verse say, seek after the Lord. Seek after him and turn away from evil. So these are the two things I want to talk about today as we continue this idea of what does God want us to do to walk on that path. I love the imagery throughout all of these that we see it. Trust in the Lord. Don't lean on your own understanding. And if you follow him, if you seek after him, he's going to make your path straight. He will direct you. You will walk on that path. So I want to highlight those two things today. Seek after God. This is a work that we have to do. Seek after God and turn away from evil. This is not a passive 
thing, our faith. This is not a, well, I'm just going to wait and see what God does in our life. This is God's commandment saying, seek after me and turn away from evil. So the first one, how do we seek after God? Seeking God seems like kind of one of those Christianese, if you've gone to church and maybe sometimes the preacher will say stuff and you're like, that doesn't make any sense. Christians have a bad habit of saying things that make sense to other Christians because we've been around church forever. Seeking God might be one of those things. Sometimes we, sometimes we see it in uh, worship choruses where, you know, we'll be singing like, drown me in the river of gladness. And people are like, I don't want that. That sounds terrible. You know, I, was at, I did a worship event many, many years ago, and one of the songs, and there was unchurched people there, and one of the songs, they just kept singing, set me on fire, set me on fire. And I was like, I bet there's people here, like, I don't know what that means, but that doesn't sound good. Maybe seeking God is that. Like, and I just wanted to communicate it with this, because you might be thinking, well, doesn't God say he's always with us? Doesn't he say he's always with us? God, and we know from the truth of Scripture, God is omnipresent. He is everywhere. The presence of God is everywhere. But have you ever noticed this, that sometimes the presence of God is more real to you, that you can sense it more? The Bible would call it like the manifest presence of God, where we know God is with us, but sometimes he's just real. We can sense his presence. And then we know there are seasons when we are neglectful of God and neglectful of God's presence. And even though his presence is there, we don't feel it. We feel far away from God. I've experienced both of those seasons. So God is not hiding. It's not hide and seek, but we are to seek after God. And how do we do that? Throughout Scripture, it says that we set our mind on him. What Proverbs is saying, set our minds on God. Fix our hearts on God. It's a conscious effort that we make to seek after God. And I think in this part of the world, in churches all over this part of the world, I think there are Christians who miss this part. I think their faith has gotten to the level where they will show up to church and maybe they'll give in the offering. But as far as that setting their minds on the things of God, not just on Sundays, but throughout the week, fixing their thoughts and their gaze on the cause of Christ and the, and the work of God around the world. Well, I mean, what does that mean? That simply is just you are mindful of God in your life Every day, tomorrow, Monday morning, when you're like, oh, weekend was so great, back to the grind of another work week, you can start it with, okay, I'm going to start by fixing my gaze on God. What would you have me to do today, God? It's every decision you make. It's being mindful that God is with you, taking time and praying. This is, this is what it is to seek after God, to doing these things. We set our minds on a course, we fix our eyes on God, and then we just get to work. We do the things that God has asked us to do. And, uh, and you might be thinking, okay, well, how do I do that? How do I do that? And so it's very simple, and some of these things are going to sound like a broken record, because if you've been around this church, you've heard me say these things a number of times. But I, again, am like the parent feeding the kid vegetables, and you might not like it, but, you know, we're going to keep trying to serve you vegetables because it's good for you, right? We were in Alpha. Our Alpha class on Thursday night was all about prayer, and we talked about prayer. And there was a statement in the lesson that prayer is the most important thing that we can do period. You know, not like on Sundays. You know, prayer is the most important activity of our lives. And I thought, man, that's a bold statement, right? That's a bold statement. But what we communicated on Alpha on Thursday night, and I want to say here today, is if we believe that God is there, He loves us, and He can do miracles, why would we not pray all the time? 
right? Why would we not talk to this God? It's just talking to God. Some of you maybe have never prayed like that, but it's just talking to God with the understanding that God is with you, and he is powerful, and he can move mountains like we've been singing about today. Man, why would we not talk to God all the time? The new, um, the new iPhone update has this good but terrible feature of uh, it'll show you how, many, how long you've been on, on your phone. And so this morning, I opened up my phone, and it had the little notification, see your weekly report. And I'm like, oh, no, this is going to be bad news. And so I, I clicked on it, and this might be, you might be thinking, wow, that's a ton of time. Or you might be thinking, wow, I do that in a single day, but, you know, or in, in an hour. Um, it said you spent an average of, I think it was 51 minutes on your phone each day this week. And I'm like, man, 51 minutes. And I imagine that most of that was just a waste of time, right? Just trying to occupy my mind when I'm delayed at something. What if, what if, instead of when we're caught in a line at the grocery store and it's just so easy to just grab our phone and search through something, when it's a commercial break on TV, when it's something, you know, when we're delayed, it's just those little five, 10 minute delays that we're always occupying our minds with our phones. What if we prayed during those times, right? What if also we started our day with prayer instead of all the other activities? But even just those minutes throughout the day, we were mindful of God, this big, powerful God who loves us. What if we prayed? It's the most important thing we can do. Read the Bible. This is the vegetable part. You've heard this before. Get the Word of God in you. Get the Word of God in you. Read it. Read it. I loved the part of that video where there's that lady who, who shared, I love reading this because it's the truth. And you, you hear reports from people in other countries that the Bible is not something that is sitting on every shelf like it is in this part of the world. We have unparalleled access to the Scriptures, to the Word of God, the words of God, all-powerful Creator God. We need to read the Bible. Get it in you. Start by, you know, if you want a reading plan, you can find a reading plan, a chapter a day. Um, a good place to start would be bring your Bible to church. If you need a Bible, I will buy you a Bible. But I'm guessing you have a few on your shelf. Bring it to church, and what we're studying in our sermon, you can underline and maybe make a little note. And then you'll get a greater insight, hopefully, for what that Scripture is saying. Start by just getting the Word of God in you. Start by praying. Another important way that we can seek God is to do this, to gather together, to fellowship with one another. The Bible is so clear. Do not neglect the meeting together. And it's not just Sunday morning, but I'll speak for Sunday mornings, and this is going to sound like it's a self-serving item in my sermon. Gathering together on Sunday mornings is important. Maybe it needs to be something that is a little bit more of a priority for you and your family. I'm just saying good things are going to happen when your kids are in kids' church hearing the words of God. The Overturfs have kids up there sharing today to our kids about what it means to work around the world as missionaries. Good things are going to happen to your family when you come and when you get to know other people, when you have people pray for you, when you share your needs with other people. Good is going to happen to you. You're going to grow in your faith when you seek after God in an environment like this. Good's going to happen when you serve in an environment like this. This is a good plug for we need people to serve all over this church. Find an area of ministry. It's not just checking a box, but that is going to be a way that God is going to cause you to grow when you serve others, when you gather together as the family of God. These are ways that we grow. These are ways that we seek after God. We have missionaries here today 
missions trips, getting connected with missionaries around the world, expanding our horizons of faith. This is how we grow. There is going to be a whole different world of perspective that comes to you if you go on a missions trip. If you go on a missions trip to somewhere in Africa, Asia, Europe, South America, and your eyes will be open not just to different cultures, but to how the faith of God is moving around the world, to different priorities, to how blessed you are here. Maybe you'll stop complaining so much. All the things that happen to you when you go on a missions trip, you have your horizons changed, your perspective changes. All of these things can be ways that we can grow. So here's the deal today. In this room, maybe 100 people here, there's going to be 100 different levels of your journey with God. Some of you are not even believers yet. You're skeptical. You're here because someone dragged you here and said, you have to come to church if I'm going to buy you lunch. And so you're here, and you're a non-believer, and we're glad you're here. Some of you are skeptical. Some of you are brand new in your faith, and you're just learning all this stuff for the first time. And some of you have been lifelong believers. You've been in church your whole life. Faith in Jesus has been a part of your church the whole life. All of these things. We're not trying to get everybody in the same spot. And everybody's welcome here, from the skeptic non-believer to the lifelong Christian and everything in between. But the point of all of this is that all of us keep growing. We all take a step. We all take a step. Maybe your step today is to give your life to Jesus Christ. Maybe your step today is to respond in generosity or in worship. Maybe your step today is just to realize, I've been neglecting the things of God. Whatever it is, we want everybody on that spectrum to take a step, to keep growing. We don't want coasting. We don't want coasting. We don't want it. We don't want coasting. You're welcome here if you're going to coast, but I'm just going to tell you as your pastor, we're going to encourage growth all the time. We're going to encourage growth. You're going to get tired of hearing me talk about it, but we're going to encourage everyone to keep moving forward. I was thinking about with my kids this week, and Charlie's going to be another example in a sermon, and he's like, great. Um, I guess it's with all of our kids, but Charlie's 17. The conversations I have with him now are different than when he was seven, Right? expectations I put on him are different now than when he was seven. You know, responsibilities that we give him. He's got a job, and if it's something that needs to be communicated at work, it's not, oh, here, Charlie, let me call them for you. It's, take care of this yourself. You're almost a legal adult. You are growing up. We have more grown-up conversations now than we did when he was seven. He's almost an adult, and we challenge him differently. A couple of years ago, I had a conversation with him, and uh, and. This was mostly in humor, but there's truth there. I said, Charlie, you know how this is going to go, right? He's like, what? This would have been when he was 14 or 15. I said, here's the plan. You're going to get through high school. You're going to go to college maybe, probably. And the goal is you're going to get a job, and then you're going to move out, right? You're going to move out of our house. You're not, the plan is for, not, for you to live here forever. You're not going to live in our basement forever. And he's kind of like, huh. Kind of like, oh, I guess I can see that now. We want growth. Why are we challenging him in these areas? Why do we challenge all of our kids in these areas? Parents, you know this. We want them to grow. At no point do we want kids to become stagnant in their growth, in their maturity. And we challenge them more. We have different conversations. We put more responsibilities on them because we want them to grow. So, as your pastor, I'm encouraging you today. Some of you, it's time to grow up in your faith. It's time to take a step in your faith. God has bigger things for you in your faith. God wants to have more grown-up conversations with you, and you're still acting like a spiritual teenager, okay? It's time maybe for you to spiritually move out of your parents' basement, right, and take a step 
Become self-feeding with the Word of God, where you don't need to rely on someone else telling you what the Bible says. These are the steps I want you to take. It's time to move, it's time to move forward and grow, all of us. What is the next step that we can take? I am a lousy pastor if I just enable coasting. I'm a lousy pastor if I enable people to just come and spectate. And if you are just here and you're spectating, you're welcome here. We're not going to kick you out, but we're going to challenge you to grow. That's the first thing. Seek God. And you're looking at the clock. We're doing okay. The second thing Proverbs tells us in that verse, the first one was seek after God, and the second one was turn away from evil. Turn away from evil. The imagery of an upright path that God has for us and wants us to walk on is so perfect because it just shows us if we're walking on a path and we have our eyes fixed ahead, we're going to stay on the path easier. But if we're constantly veering and looking to the side and getting tripped up by things that are not on the path, that's how we get derailed in our faith. There is evil in the world, right? There is evil in the world, and we are to avoid it. As followers of Jesus, we're to avoid it. Now, this is not we stay away from the bad people, and this is not, oh, we avoid evil so we can become all judgmental and uppity about our personal righteousness. No. But there is evil in the world, and if we want to walk on the path that God has for us, we are to turn away from that. We are to not allow that to trip us up. Now, this is not about salvation, Right? This is not about getting saved. The blood of Jesus Christ covers you no matter how badly you have tripped up in the past and no matter how badly you will trip up in the future. Right? This is not about salvation and mercy, but this is about discipleship and discipline and following Jesus. We turn away from the things that trip us up. Walking out our faith involves work, it involves being diligent and growing, and it involves turning away from the things that will trip us up. Now, I've noticed a some interesting things. I found it very interesting. Hopefully you find it somewhat interesting. Um, when we read those verses in Proverbs chapter 2, did you notice the pronoun that Solomon is using as he's writing this? He's referring to wisdom as she. Seek after her. Pursue her. And so this is, you know, poetic language. And so he's not actually, well, he should, but he's not actually saying wisdom is female. Although husbands, if you ever wondered why the most common words in your marriage are, honey, you're right. That's because in scripture it says that wisdom is a she, right? So he talks about, the, he uses these pronouns. Hebrew language, it's very common to personify different things with different gender pronouns. And also, as he's writing this, he would have known in that culture, primarily it's a male-driven culture. So he's referring, you know, you see it at the start of all these chapters. My son, follow me. Uh, pursue these teachings. Obey the Lord's commandments. My son, keep growing. So he's talking to what he is perceived as a male audience, and he is referring to what they seek is almost like he's saying, like a, like a good woman, seek after her, pursue her, run after her. This is God's wisdom for you. I found that very interesting. However, there's another type of woman that Solomon refers to. If you read on, there's verses where it says, you do these things, you stay on the path of the Lord so that you can stay on the upright path, so that you can stay away from the strange woman, the adulterous woman, okay? So there's like two, it's like Solomon is saying, there's two ways that you can pursue your life. And talking to, again, this is just poetic language. This is not talking about actual women. But he's saying, follow God. 
follow God and seek after her. Seek after, like, the, the wisdom of God is like a really good woman. Seek after her, and that's going to keep you away from the other kind of woman that you want to stay away from because they're going to trip you up, okay? So this is kind of what Solomon is saying. Everyone okay? This is, again, this is not, this is not women are the, are the cause of all the problems, okay? This is not that at all. This is poetry in Scripture. The book of Proverbs is poetic literature, but I love this, that he kind of lays that out, and we can kind of understand that. We can kind of understand that because it's in terms we understand. But then just in case, and this is the part that I really found interesting, just in case people weren't getting what Solomon was saying, he uses a parable. Again, a parable found in Proverbs 7, just a few chapters later. Proverbs 7, verse 6. This is Solomon driving home this point of seek after God and turn away from the things that are going to trip you up. Turn away from evil. Again, a parable in Proverbs 7, verse 6, it says this. For at the window of my house, I looked through my lattice, or, you know, the window, and I saw among the naive, I discerned among the youths, a young man lacking sense, passing through the street near her corner. I was like, oh, no, her corner, right? This is the strange woman, the one that, you know, in the Hebrew language, actually the, the word that is used there is just meaning to be pulled off course, to be led astray. I discerned among the youths a young man lacking sense, passing through the street near her corner, and he takes the way to her house. In the twilight, in the evening, in the middle of the night, and in the darkness, and behold, a woman comes to meet him, dressed as a harlot and cunning of heart. She is boisterous and rebellious. Her feet do not remain at home. She is now in the streets, now in the squares, and lurks by every corner. So she seizes him and kisses him, and with a brazen face... Oh, sorry, I'm going to stop there. She seizes him and kisses him. Okay, so first of all, some of you are like, that's in the Bible. This is awesome stuff, right? I got to read this more often. But really, we look that we look at that again. A parable that Solomon is saying, and we see, yes, we see it happening. Oh man, dude, what are you doing? Why are you going out there? Why are you walking down that street? You know she lives there, right? Why are you going down by her house? Don't you see that it's a trap? You know, all of us from the outside, we can say, what are you doing walking down there? You know, we all know how this story is going to end. We all know what's about to happen. We keep saying, we, we want to say to this guy, why, don't you know she lives there? Why are you going by her house? The story continues. We're going to jump ahead to verse 21. With her many persuasions, she entices him. With her flattering lips, she seduces him. And this is really funny to me. Suddenly he follows her as an ox goes to the slaughter, right? <laughs> Suddenly he follows her like an animal being led to the slaughter or as one in fetters to the discipline of a fool. What a great line. The one in like the trap of the discipline of a fool. Until an arrow pierces through his liver. <laughs> this is great stuff. And as a bird hastens to the snare, so he does not know that it will cost him his life. Now therefore, my sons, listen to me and pay attention to the words of my mouth. Do not let your heart turn aside to her ways. Do not stray into her paths. The language there is so clear. Don't you know that this is a trap? Don't you know that evil that you are flirting with, that you are allowing into your life is a trap? Don't you know that you are like an animal about to be, it's like trapped in a snare. 
being led to the slaughter. This is for all of us. The idea of when you walk through the path and you allow evil to get close to you. Maybe it's something, whatever it is in your life, but you're like, I'm not really doing the really bad stuff, but I'm going to kind of maybe flirt with it a little bit. This is the same thing that Solomon would say to us. Why are you walking down there? You have the discipline of a fool. Why are you even getting close to this temptation for all of us? Why are you allowing this into your life? So for some of us today, I mean, for all of us in some ways or another, the work that needs to be done to grow is simply a turning away from evil that you have allowed into your life. It's turning away from the things that you have allowed into your heart, into your life, into your family that are compromising you. You're trying to walk the upright path. You're trying to grow in your faith, and you keep getting tripped up by things that you are allowing into your life. And for some of you, it could be this. But it could be for someone here that maybe it actually literally looks a lot like this scenario that Solomon is saying. Maybe there's someone you're paying attention to that's other than your spouse a little more. You're not doing anything bad yet, but maybe, you know, you keep walking by her desk at work or walking by his desk at work. And, you know, anyone who's watching it from the outside can say, dude, you're like that guy walking down the street the wrong. Don't go near it. It's going to trip you up. It's going to derail you from walking that path that God has for you. Turn away from it. In our culture, our internet culture, internet pornography, explicit content on the internet is a huge, huge battle for so many men and increasingly for women in our culture. This is a very practical application of the wisdom of Solomon. Turn away from that. Don't allow that into your life. Don't be power. We're not powerless in this. We are not powerless to have whatever wants to grab us, whatever sin or evil wants to grab us. We are not powerless. We have the power of God in us, the Holy Spirit in us. We need to turn away. Don't allow that into your life. Don't allow that into your home. It's not just you, parents. It's your kids. Don't allow that into your home. Be practical about it. There are safeguards that you can put in place. There's accountability that you can set up. There's a software called Covenant Eyes for a very small monthly fee, and this might scare some of you to think about. It logs everything that everyone in your family looks at online. It just keeps a log, and then once a month, you get a report. Now, nobody goes through and, like, you know, Google.com, Facebook, 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 Facebook. You know, we're not doing... And it flags anything that might be inappropriate, and it emails it to your accountability partner. So you set up somebody, and you have accountability in your life. It could be a friend, and you say, we're going to be accountability partners. Just that alone causes you to be like, oh, this isn't something hidden. This is something I need to be mindful of. This is something I need to turn away from. Set that up. Take the steps. Do the work. Take the steps to grow. But here's the thing that I've learned that other people would say as far as following God and turning from evil. Your focus always has to be on God. Your focus has to be ahead. It's like riding a bike. If you've ever tried to ride a bike where you're not moving and you're just kind of looking around, sitting still, you're going to wipe out every time, right? It's like a kid learning to ride a bike and they just fall down. But once you get moving forward a bit, it's easy to stay. It's easier to stay on that path. So don't focus about so much on sin. Oh, that's bad. That's bad. Fix your heart and your gaze on Christ. Fix your eyes on God and say, I'm going to follow you and I'm going to keep moving and I'm going to be mindful of the things that are going to try to trip me up, but I'm going to keep growing in my faith. Amen? We're going to keep growing in our faith. So here's my final thought. And this is for all believers. 
As I said, everyone on that spectrum, we want to keep everybody growing. Here's my final thought. The upright path that we walk on is going to bless you. You know, if I choose to walk the upright path that God has for me, we've said it all along, it's a blessing to me. But it's not just for me. You walking on the upright path, following God, doing the work of faith is not just for you. It's for so many other people that you're going to impact, right? You walking the, the faith that God has put in you, doing, being disciplined and diligent is going to have an impact on your family, on your marriage, on your coworkers, on everyone you come in contact with, on other students in your middle school, high school. It's not just for you. It's for the world around us that needs the light and the hope of Jesus Christ. This is why we need to keep growing. This is why we need to keep growing. Because our world needs Jesus. Our missions guest today said it in the video. This is not the time to kind of sit back. We need more. We need more. We need people to give and to pray. We need people to come and serve. This is not a time for Christians in this part of the world to just spectate and coast. We need more. The world needs more out of you to grow, to take those steps. God might be wanting to call you to missions. And he's saying, I have something so big for you down the road. All of us, he would say that. I have big things for you, grown-up Christian things, but we're still working on getting you out of that adolescent Christian mentality. Take a step, grow up, mature in your faith, because God has grown-up conversations and grown-up responsibilities that he wants to put on you, and he needs you to be ready to grow, to take those steps of faith, right? He wants to do big things, so we need people who are willing to to grow, to move, to go, to be willing. Yeah, I'm going to keep my eyes on God, and he might direct me to another country around the world. He might direct me to take huge steps of faith here. But this is what God is wanting to do in us. So our seeking God is not just for us. It's for other people. And the the last verse I want to share with you, and this is what our church is all about, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 22 through 24. Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart. Again, we're drawing near, we're seeking after him. And with full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. And here's what I'm leaving you with today. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we professed for he who promised is faithful and let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. This is what we are doing as a church. When you get plugged in at Homestead Church, this is what we are about, a community of people helping each other grow in faith. That's what we're going to do. We're going to help each other grow in faith. And you are always welcome here no matter what state of that spectrum you are on, but we are always going to be a group of people that challenges one another. It's not just the people on the stage. It's a group of people. I love that. Let us consider how we may spur one another on to challenge one another to grow, to take that next step, to grow in prayer and in faith and in Bible reading and in discipline. We just need everyone to grow. And so the upright path is God saying, take a step, take a step. Let's pray together as we close.